0: Is the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am delighted to welcome Kate Moretti to the podcast today. Kate is a New York Times best selling author of seven novels and a novella, including her latest the spires from thomas and mercer out last year her first novel i thought i knew you was a new york times bestseller the vanishing year was a nominee in the goodreads choice awards under mystery thriller category for 2016 and was called chillingly satisfying by publishers weekly with superb closing twists according to the new york times book review Kate has worked in the pharmaceutical industry for 20 years as a scientist and enjoys traveling and cooking but not baking. She lives in Pennsylvania in an old farmhouse with her husband, two children, and no known ghosts. Her lifelong dream is to find a secret passageway. Isn't that all of our dream? Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me Julie.
0: Oh, I'm delighted to have a conversation with you and find out about your um, writing journey. This is going to be fun. I will say, I had an um, interview with Gigi Pandian uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she has a new series coming out about a company that builds secret passageways really? in houses. And I thought, that is an awesome idea. That <laughs> is an that
1: awesome be- idea. I wonder if, that's, if such a company actually exists. And, in her research, did she discover how to build a secret passageway?
0: Because in an old farmhouse, you are you have nothing but opportunity there. you would think, imagine you would
1: think there's no dead space. This is what the air conditioner guys told me when they came and did not install central air because they couldn't
0: <laughs> oh.
1: No, you would think there'd be so many little nooks and crannies, but modernizing a house that was built in the 1800s requires you to, like, really knock down a lot of walls.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, Well, Kate, I am just delighted to talk to you and to uh, talk about your writing journey and some publishing and everything else. But let's start where I always start. Um, And when did you say to yourself, I want to write a novel?
1: Well, so, uh, this is always a funny story for me to tell because it's, it's, it's actually really, um, it's, (laughs) it sounds, I, I have a hard time sometimes telling it because I recognize that the journey, um, of writing and publishing is so arduous and it just, it was something that literally just happened, and um, while it's a really cool story, I also feel a little bit embarrassed about about it sometimes. Um, so my I have worked in in pharmaceutical companies um, for twenty years. I am a I'm a scientist. I was I went to I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry. I worked I've worked uh, in in biology and. Um, Immunology for oh God eighteen twenty years now, so uh, when my youngest daughter was born, she slept all the time and I there was it, this was you know uh, eleven years ago, so there was no we didn't have like TiVo or like at the time there was TiVo, but we didn't have it and um there was no like very easy way to record television, so all I had was daytime TV and cleaning like that's really all I had to do and reading <laughs> and um I just I was just Bored, and I said, "I can't do this." She slept constantly. Now, before everybody wants to kill me, at this point in the story, I had an older daughter, and she was colicky and um, had acid reflux and never slept. So I feel like I earned my stripes with the first one, and the second one, she kind of gave me a, a little bit of a break. But so when she was born, I was bored, and a friend of mine said that she was writing a YA novel. And I thought, oh my God, I've always wanted to write a book. And I started Nano like I don't know, four or five times when I was in college and just out of college. And I never actually finished anything because it's really easy to start a book. Like so easy mm-hmm. to like write the first couple chapters and make all these promises that this book's going to be amazing. You know, like if only she had known then what she knew. it's really hard to finish a book. So um, I thought I'm going to do it. I'm going to actually finish a book. And that was thought I knew you. And, and I did, I, I wrote an absolutely completely terrible first draft. I think the first draft was like 30,000 words. And it, it was just, I mean, it, it was disjointed. It made no sense. Like I had the end was like, oh, and the crime was resolved without really any, <laughs> like, I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> And, um, but I did, it. I finished it and that's really all I cared about. And I think, um, then I went back in and I, you know, I did the work on it for a while, but, uh, the first draft I did during maternity leave and, and it was fun. It was like a lark. It was something I did just, you know, to pass the time. And because I always said I would, and it was a bucket list item and, you know, a couple months passed and I had to go back to work. My maternity leave was over and I did, I went back to work and I was a scientist and, um, you know, it was funny because I, in my spare time, I, I picked at that book and it was just a hobby and I was like, oh, this is fun. One day, maybe I'll get it published. And I sent it to, uh, Red Adept publishing, which at the time was brand new. I think they had one other title out and I didn't expect anything. Cause I didn't, I mean, I didn't really know anything about publishing, but I'd heard it was hard. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean. I was very lucky with Red Adept. I'll say that it it is hard to get published with a an established, um, reputable publisher, which they are now, but at the time they weren't. So I mean, it could have been anybody. I I was so naive. I didn't think anything of it. And they called and they said, you know, we think this is a really good book. It needs a lot of work. Are you interested in in publishing it with us? And I said, yeah. And they said, are you willing to change absolutely everything about it, like pretty much including the title? And I said, well, yeah, you know. Um, and they said, okay, we'd like to publish it. And I was like, oh, that's great. You know, but in the meantime, I'm like, well, I have a meeting at work. I have to go. Um, again, it was something fun. And I thought, oh, it'll end up on Amazon. My mom can buy it, you know? And it was just, I wasn't, it wasn't something, it wasn't part of who I was. It was just something I did. And then there was just a brief period of time where I thought, I think I have another idea and a new book. And I started writing that. And then then I had a third idea. And at, at one point um, I said to my husband, you know, I, I don't, I think that I'm, I, I think I'm actually a writer. <laughs> I think I'm going to be a writer. And he was like, well, that's, you know, that's fantastic. But you, we also have a mortgage and two kids now yeah. and a couple cars and some bills to pay. So, um, you know, we have to figure out how to make all that work. But so I did sort of fall into it, um, and and that it's a cool story. I don't know if it's an inspiring story. I feel always am embarrassed to tell it, but it's still mine, so I can't change it. You know, it's exactly how it happened. Um, I will say that the process of writing the first draft was so was the most fun I've ever had writing a book because I didn't think anyone was ever going to read it, um, and I just. I, and I had all the time in the world and I just sat down every day. I like worked on it every day. I think I was writing five to 6,000 words a day.
0: Wow. But yeah.
1: I mean, it's really easy to write five to 6,000 words when number one, you don't really care at all what the words are because you're not a writer yet. So like all of these things that plague me now as a professional, I didn't have any of that. It was like, yeah. you know, I didn't care what my word choices were. It was just fun to tell a story. Um, so, I mean, it, it is, it's, it was just a completely different sort of environment. So there is something to be said about going into writing completely blind. Um, <laughs> and then I realized after I wrote that book, I, you know, somebody had said, well, you know, do you, what craft books do you have? And I remember like, what are craft books? Like, I didn't even know.
0: <laughs> had you taken writing classes in I've high always, school or college? I've always
1: written and I've always read. So. To yeah. me, I still think the best craft book is a well-written novel, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, is your favorite book. Like, that's the best craft book. Like, what about it made it your favorite book? Like, what drew you to it? And mm-hmm. that's going to be the thing that draws you as a writer, if that makes sense. Right.
0: Yeah. No, that makes no, perfect exactly. sense. I, re- I,
1: you know, I was like, oh, my God, there's a whole world that I just know nothing about. it. Then I, you know, then the panic sets in and you buy all the, crap. I have them all now, like every single <laughs> one of them. I had to buy them all in like a mad rush of I'm an idiot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so <laughs> so <clears throat> you had that first phone call. Yes. Yeah. Um, from your first publisher. And they said, um, are you willing to work on it and do everything? And as you said, they were uh, starting out so that they had editors who were willing to do that work and figure things right. out. And did you ever find out what about it, was it just kismet or what about it intrigued them to, 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 call you and say, Let's you know, I go. never did. It
1: would be a good question. I still talk to the owner once in a blue moon and she still has the rights to that book. She still sells it. I mean, it, it, every once in a while it pops up in their bestseller catalog. And I'm always like, Whoa, look at that. They're still working for me. And that was 12 years ago. You know, it's amazing to yeah. me. Um, that they are still willing to work for that book. I mean, it's a great little company. I can never. I always just have nothing but great things to say about them. Um, and I never asked her like what she liked about it, considering how much we changed. Um, you know, she's uh, the owner is um, Lynn McNamee. She's not a super touchy feely person, so I can just hear her voice saying, you know, well, it's a good book. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> so they, she must have seen something in it because I got to tell you. We changed a lot, and I worked with a fantastic editor over there who I still say taught me so much about writing. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's editors, editors are uh, incredibly important. And when you're first writing, you don't know about them. (laughs) I mean, right? It's like, what do you mean? I, you know, what's a developmental editor? And then You learn, and it's like, oh, that's kind of great. That would have saved me years.
1: That would save me a ton of time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Was it always crime fiction for you?
1: Um, Well, Thought I Knew You is more of a romance, Um, and it's a women's fiction, It's this, but there is a crime element to it. There is a woman whose husband goes on a business trip and disappears. So she has no idea where he went, but most of the book, everybody, I guess, i mean a lot of people think the book is going to be about the mystery of what happened to him but it's more about the mystery of her picking up and moving on with her life and having to deal with this like giant unknown she has two kids and you know she falls in love again and i mean you do find out eventually what happened to him but um so i mean that after i wrote that i was like well that was fun. <laughs> and I remember I tell this story too. Sometimes <laughs> my mom, I gave it to my mom to read and, um, she, <laughs> she, she read the whole thing, you know, and she called me and she said, um, you know, i read the book and I said, okay, what do you think? She goes, well, you know, I really thought that the boyfriend was going to be the killer. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean the killer mom? There's no killer. Like, what are you talking about? She was like, I said, it's not a murder mystery. Like I'm set up. It's not, there's no killer. And she's like, yeah, I know. I was a little disappointed by that. <laughs> 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 so my mom, I grew up with my mom. Like we traded Michael Connolly and Harlan Colvin and all these like, you know, very high octane sort of thriller Um, writers books and all these paperbacks we just used to trade them constantly oh read this one read this one and um so I think when I wrote a book she was expecting that (laughs) it was it was like this like you know romantic little jaunt and she was like no I don't think so. (laughs) she liked it maybe I don't know
0: well, I'm sure she did. I mean, you know, she was, you know, when mothers, mothers can be tricky, oh, but yeah. She <laughs> become my
1: biggest fan for some of my later books that have a bit more plot in them. And then I think even one of them I dedicated to her, I think it was vanishing Year. I have to, I'd have to remember, but I said, um, you know, this one's for my mom and I think it should have enough plot for you. Maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, tell me what your process is like, your writing process. <sighs>
1: You know, it's funny because it changes with every book. Um, right now, I am sort of picking my way very slowly coming out of the pandemic. I had my kids home for most of the pandemic uh, doing like a homeschool type thing. And that'll kill your creative mojo more than anything else. So I'm, I'm trying to come out of that. Um, and so uh, most of the time, I come up with very bare bones sort of outline. And I, figure out my major plot points, you know, um, and then I leave the in-betweens to pantsing. So I don't know if that's plotting or pantsing or some sort of hybrid, but I found that if I plot everything very carefully that I lose any sort of excitement to write it, it becomes sort of like a chore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've also found that if I completely pants it, I get to the end and I, I send it into my editor with a note that says, I don't know what to do now, (laughs) (laughs) which is, you know, a little unprofessional and also a terrible way to write a book. I can't recommend that. Um, So I, I found that the best way for me is if I can figure out where the story is going and figure out the ending. And then I can sort of jump my way, like crossing a stream with stones or something, you know, like if I, I don't know. I don't know what, exactly what that is. It sounds like a wacky process to me.
0: No, I think it sounds. I one of the my favorite parts of doing this podcast is I talk to all different kinds of writers about their process, and nobody does it the same way. So I don't even I, do I it I the same
1: it. way from book to book. Um, there are definite books that I I start out, um, you know, and I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually be like a professional, or I'm gonna act like I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to try to really plan out what's going to happen. It's going to be like one of those tightly plotted books. And um, I'll come up with an outline and then I'll start writing. And every day, at the end of every writing day, inevitably I have to go back and, and make the outline match what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is dumb. This seems like a waste of time.
0: <laughs> now, do you, I uh, you know, are all your books the same genre or the same like how would you define what you write
1: um they're all mystery thriller I think um I think more mystery honestly than thriller um suspense is the general umbrella term that I would prefer only because mystery implies a very strict set of rules and mystery writers are really adamant about those rules and I so I don't and I don't necessarily do that So I don't want to mislead anyone. Um, Thriller also implies that there's going to be like a large number of dead bodies and possibly a car chase and probably some guns. And I don't necessarily do that either. So I think in the last couple of years, the term domestic suspense has become Mm -hmm. uh, very popular. And I would say that that's probably the most um, it's probably the most fitting
0: And do you start a novel with an idea or, or how do you, how do you, you know, how do you start? Do you, does somebody else give you a prompt or Mm -hmm. do you read something or do you think of a way to, you know, kill somebody who annoys you and build out from there? How do you, or is every novel different?
1: Every book is different for me. Um, uh, and some of them veer so far from the original germ of the idea that I can't always even remember where it came from um and and the story that I like to that I've told about this before is Blackbird Season the Blackbird Season which is my fourth novel is about a teacher who is accused of having an affair with a student who goes missing and um i was initially really interested in the way social media has changed teaching and how it blurs the lines between like, it used to be that I I remember seeing my teacher at the grocery store and I was completely horrified. I didn't know they existed outside of school, you know, and now it's like the teachers are on TikTok and Instagram. And at the time I wrote the book, TikTok didn't exist, but, um, you know, teachers are, are on social media and, So I was sort of interested in that aspect of it. But honestly, I was really riveted by the Slender Man story in Wisconsin. These these girls that were just so taken in by an Internet story, by a fable, by a tale, and that they would go and and like kill their friend they were little they were like 10 or 12 or something and to me that was just so horrifying like I couldn't believe it. yeah so then I you know I I've never been one to be like the internet is a terribly scary place but honestly the internet is a terribly scary place and <laughs> so that was so fascinating to me I'm, then I ended up for a long time on the message boards that started the Slenderman story anyway long story short the Slenderman thing never came into the book at all like it was like that's what started me down the rabbit hole, but then I got way more interested in um, the dynamics between teachers and students, and, and then I just realized that what initially got me into the book wasn't actually going to make it into the book. It was just, like, too big and too much story, and it didn't really tie into anything that I ended up writing, so that happens I mean, not frequently, but it happens. It's happened a couple of times where I start out with like, "Oh, this would be so cool. And then as I'm writing and researching, I'll write and then spend a day researching, write research, kind of back and forth like that. I start getting further and further away from the original thought that took me Mm -hmm. to the book in the first place. So, um, I don't know. I feel like stories just sort of come from somewhere magical,
0: (laughs) And how long does it take you to uh, to write a book?
1: Um, <clears throat> a terrible first draft. That's pretty short because my draft, my first drafts are usually really short. I used to in the beginning. I would really try to hit that eighty thousand word mark, and I discovered that I probably was putting the wrong. Like every book requires like action and then filler, and the filler is the reason for the action. But if I don't really understand all the actions that are going to happen, I'm, I'm putting in the wrong filler, if that makes sense. Yep. So a lot of times I would write like a couple chapters of backstory and then end up thinking, well, that's not really, that's not really, it's um, not really pertinent to anything that's happening. <laughs> so I discovered that it's a lot easier for me to just write the actual story all the way through and then go back and figure out the why. I don't know how people straight up outline because how do you know what your characters are going to do? Like, how do you know them? I don't know them at all until I get to the end of the book. And I'm like, oh, well, this is the kind of person that would never do this. So I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me.
0: Well, you know, some people I've talked to do tons of character work or, but I I think you're right. By the end of a novel, you of course know your characters a little bit better, but you know, so how long is that, that terrible first
1: draft? Oh, I didn't even answer the question. Um, a couple months, like I could do it really, usually pretty quick, um, three, four months, but it's not long. It's, I mean, it's 50,000 words at that, you know, that's, that's 50,000 words is nano, nano rhymo for some people. So. Um, you know, that's not super fast to me, but, um, usually then I need another six to nine months to fill it all in. And a lot of times, like I'll just leave big chunks of research out because I didn't know I was going to need it. So I didn't bother looking that up. So now I have to go read about, I don't even know, landfills in Pennsylvania or something. (laughs)
0: So Kate, I find it fascinating that you're a scientist. Um, you know, people come to writing from all different paths. But do you feel like your scientist brain brings something else to your writing, or it, or have you had to unlearn some things in order to write fiction? Does that make sense as a question? Yeah,
1: it does. Um, you know, it's funny because I do think that being a scientist and is is a um has brought something to my writing. It used to be that I was very methodical. Like I was I tried to be this methodical person because I was like, oh I'm a scientist. I like spreadsheets. And I still like spreadsheets. I still plot a lot in spreadsheets. I keep a spreadsheet for every book I'm working on and it, t- it keeps track of my dates for me and it not very well because I'm always really challenged when I get to the end of the book and my editor is like, do you own a calendar? Exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I do think that there's something about being a scientist that you are, it's so ingrained in you that there's a cause and effect like every, so I'm always digging for that. Um, And it it Mm -hmm. becomes very, it's becomes second nature to sort of unearth that cause and effect and make sure that, um, that the conclusion of the book is, logical and make sense and and sometimes you know it's really easy to get to the end of the book and you're like okay and then you know here's this big climax and everyone is like but why <laughs> so yeah. for me I feel like something that my brain has kind of done really well is to make sure that um because of the the I feel like it's like a, almost like a scientific method thing um, there is a conclusion and there is a, there is, um, a lead up to it. And, and there's almost like a logic that has to happen, um, mm-hmm. you know, and making sure that the, that X leads to Y. um, so I feel like that does help me. It helps me strip everything, all the emotion out of it and, and just make sure at the bare bones foundational level that X follows Y, Y, yeah. y- X, Y, Z. Y follows X. Y
0: follows X. And that that's so much more satisfying for readers. Um, Especially, I would imagine stripping the emotion out helps you really make sure that that's true. And then you can put the emotion back in.
1: Yeah. And it's more of my own emotion. Like me not getting yeah. attached to things or not getting attached to a certain story path because that's how I think it should go, but because that's what makes sense and that's logical. So kind of remove, being able to remove myself. Um, and and I feel like being a scientist trains you for that. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that your conclusions are supported by facts and um. So when I'm writing, I kind of, I do a lot of very similar things. You know, you have to make sure that you're not going in with a preconceived notion. Like, I know my character is going to do this. Well, you haven't written her this way all the way through. She can't just randomly do it because you had that idea six months ago and you're attached yeah. to it. That doesn't make sense. So I do feel like um, that's something that I've been well-trained to do. Um, yeah. So that helps. That's tough too, though. And the thought organization. You know, when you're yeah. working in a lab or you're working in a scientific environment, there has to be the thought organization is a really complicated part of um, being a scientist. And it's also helped me in writing, just being able to um, just get all the ideas in one place and then being able to make them consecutive in my mind. If that means.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you write consecutively? Do you, you, go chapter by chapter, or do you jump around in the manuscript according to what scenes come in your head?
1: Um, I usually write consecutively. I can't think (laughs) non-linearly. So maybe the scientist part is holding me back. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I think think obviously not seven books. Um, What do you wish you'd known earlier about this whole writing and publishing (sighs) journey, which are two separate journeys? Oh my
1: God, they're two separate journeys. Um, maybe I guess I wish I had known that they were two separate journeys. (laughs) Yeah. Um, let me think, what, what do I wish I had known earlier? Um, I guess I, I, I don't know. I, 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 feel like the earlier version of, um, me as a writer had a lot more fun writing. So maybe I wish that the earlier version could tell me to sort of loosen up a little bit and have a little more fun with my career
0: (laughs) yeah no your point earlier about that first novel being fun because there are no deadlines and there's no pressure I know that people who are aching to be published don't always like to hear that but it's true it's it's there's nothing like that freedom of that first book
1: right and even, um, you know, I guess maybe the the one thing I wish I I could, I wish I had known and I wish everybody sort of just understood was that the angst you feel right now never goes away. So like even now, first book aside, because I was not trying to publish that. But once I realized I wanted to publish and it was like something I wanted to do as a career, then you become, and every writer I know is sort of overcome with the same, level of angst and trying to keep that at bay is so difficult. And I, I do know of writers in all steps of their publishing journey and they all say, but if I could only just do this, I would feel better. And I don't think that ever happens. Like, I don't think you ever feel better. Um, I think there's always gonna be something that you sort of are stressed that you didn't have or get or accomplish. Um, I think there's always going to be things out there like, you know, I I remember being, I remember when I was publishing my second book, I would, there was this one specific writer on social media and she's a lovely person. And I'm not saying there's nothing bad bad about her, but I would just look at her and think if I could just be her, I would be so happy. And that never stops, which is so shocking to me. That we're all just running around the internet like elementary school kids, <laughs> <laughs> looking at other people, thinking, if I could just have that, I would be so thrilled. And I think that there's a trick to, and it is, it's a, it's a, it's a heck of a mind game to figure out how to just sit and be content where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's a tightrope, right? You, you want to constantly be striving to accomplish more, but not accomplishing every single thing you want to, whatever little thing is in your head as like the next thing you need to do, the next box that you need to check. Um, it can eat you alive. Yeah. So there's, there is a trick to that tightrope, pushing yourself to constantly be better but also not letting anything, any sort of um, rejection or setback just kill you.
0: Yeah. Well, in the publishing journey, you know, as we've alluded to a few times and talked about, uh, is so different from the writing journey. Uh, you know, for many people's publishing journey, New York Times bestseller or a New York Times book review, would are are it I mean that's what you think there you go so you know did you stop at those moments and celebrate and jump up and down or uh, you know
1: I I did oh yeah for sure a hundred percent I mean I still I have the the you know I I got a New York Times book review on two of my books on The Vanishing Year and In Her Bones and um they were both good you know Um, the, the one for vanishing years a little bit, um, it has a little bit of a, a, I think it has a negative sentence or two in it and, you know, but they all kind of swipe a little bit, you know, so,
0: um,
1: I didn't really care. I I thought, i I made it. (laughs) Um, and you do, you get really (laughs) excited. I have, you know, I, I, I have the physical copies of them. My mom cut them out, you know, it's. So no, you do have to celebrate. You have to celebrate everything because the publishing journey alone, I mean, it can kill you. It can, it can just kill any desire to keep going. Cause you're thinking, well, you know, I don't know, whatever setback you come up against. Well, I was orphaned or my editor left or my book didn't get into target. Or I mean, even less than that, you know, I didn't, I didn't get this or I didn't get that. There's it's such a rabbit hole that you can end up down if you let yourself. And I am grateful for the day job because it keeps, I think it keeps that in check a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It takes some of the pressure off of of those moments. Um, Did you, so, you know, you publish your first book and then you decide, "Mm, I think I want to do this. How did you, how did you, and how do you continue to level up your career?
1: A good question I don't know I think I just keep finding something that I want to write something technical that I have not accomplished before and I you know I'll read a book and I'll think oh I want to do something like that um, uh, I can think of a couple different examples of, of books I've read and I was like oh why was I so glued to it you know and um, so for vanishing year I wanted to write um, a completely see I, I'm not sure I how much do I say? Do I want to ruin endings for people? I wanted to write a completely crazy ending, like almost, you know, like a, like a wrong identity or something ending, you know? And I wanted it to yeah. be like, what? I didn't see that coming kind of thing. And I think I did that. A lot of people were like, Oh, I knew what was going on right away. And I, <laughs> whatever. Um, you know, and then for in her bones, I wanted to write a serial killer story with a twist because it's actually the daughter of a serial killer. And she's accused of a murder, but she didn't do it. And so she has to sort of prove her innocence. But Interspersed is um, a nonfiction book about her mother. So it's a book within a book, which I thought was such Mm. a fun thing to try to do. Um, And I read a lot of true crime trying to get the tone of a true crime story completely right. So that was really fun. So I feel like every book tackles something that I... I've read in other books and I thought, Oh, that would be fun to write. Um, the spires, which is my latest book. Um, I really wanted to write like an ensemble cast. Um, it's not a true ensemble cast because there isn't a point of view for every character, but it was, it's, it's this very claustrophobic, um, sort of closed off insulated house of five, uh, five people that live together. And, um, I was sort of inspired by The Likeness by Tina French. Mm -hmm. Um, I just loved the idea of these very close, intertwined, very toxic friendships and, you know, the things people can do to each other. To me, that was so interesting. Like they all lived together and they loved each other sort of, but they also really hated each other. And, um, you know, I just think that line where you're so close that you almost come full circle and hate each other. <laughs> it was so interesting. So I wanted to do something similar and it was fun. It was really fun to to sort of write. I mean, the plot is nothing like the likeness and the story itself is nothing like that. And even the, even the atmosphere is very different, but I was very much inspired by those relationships and I thought that, that was yeah. really fun. So I feel like with every book, I kind of, I don't know, tackle something that I have not, Done um technically.
0: Yeah. Just for fun. That's that's very cool. Um, very cool. What's the best piece and the worst piece of writing advice you've ever gotten? Oh God.
1: Let's see. Best piece of writing advice. I don't know, you're gonna have to you might have to edit out this really long pause. <laughs> I have to think about that for a minute. <laughs> okay, so the best one right up on my it actually doesn't come from anything writing, but The best one I ever got was, well, something my parents always say, forever forward. It's like a joke. And I have it written on my um, bulletin board. I'm looking at it right now. And it's just, keep going. Like, for me, it can be difficult. I'm halfway through the book and I suddenly realize that my protagonist has a sibling. Okay, so do I have to go back to the beginning and add the sibling in? Because that seems exhausting. Um, I mean, eventually, yes, you do, but I just, from that point forward, act like the sibling has just always been there. And I just keep going, like, I can't go back to the beginning and start over. I can't start editing while I'm still drafting. I have to just, and I'll put a little note in there that says, you know, give the brother a name and a person, like give him a personality, but I can't go back and do it again. Like I can't going back in circles and, and, you know, so to me, that's the best piece of advice that I've gotten. It didn't even come from writing. It just came from, I, I think my, my dad says it all the time. And as soon as I started, actually, I think I was drafting like my third novel and I was like, I pinned that to the board because I was like, I can't keep doing this. I'm chasing my tail here. Um, and that really keeps me going. Like it keeps me moving forward. Otherwise, I feel like I would just—I don't know—spin. It would take yeah. me forever to finish a book. Yeah,
0: I love that. Forever forward. That's a fabulous phrase. Just
1: keep going. Whatever happens, and yeah. it carries so much because now I just—you know—my kids. I'm like I said. I've been coming out of like pandemic life, and I've been using that as an excuse for too many months. I think because they started back at school in September. Um, and I'm picking at this book and it's slower than I would ever normally do. I, I was on a pretty good book a year clip for quite a few years. And um, just getting your feet back on, under me, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to get my head back into it has been sort of interesting. But I just think, listen, at least I'm moving forward. You know, yeah. I might not be moving forward at the pace that publishing thinks I should be, but I'm moving forward. So.
0: I think we need to acknowledge and honor that what the pandemic has done to a lot of folks, reading and yeah. Yeah. writing reading and, and writing for sure, creativity and tired and all the rest. I, am of so it, in all. Know?
1: I know so many writer friends who used the pandemic and wrote like three books or something. You know what I mean? They just, they were like, well, I'm not leaving my house. It's the perfect time. And that is true. That is absolutely true. And, but it, I, my whole brain was like pickled the entire time. I mean, so I'm so in awe, um, of people that I, I even, I know two writers that use the pandemic to explore writing completely different genres. And I just think that that's amazing that they could put their brain in that place. Like I am just blown away by it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, but again, we're all individuals and we're all figuring stuff out. Um, but yes, I, there are some pretty amazing stories of uh, creativity coming out of here. For oh sure. yeah. hundred
1: percent.
0: So, uh, you know, community is something when you first start writing, you don't understand. And you, you know, you started with a publisher. You didn't know any better. You didn't know who to ask or what to do since writing Have you found getting to know other writers has made a huge difference in your writing life? Oh, my
1: God. Yeah. It's so much fun. It's the most fun part, really. So when I wrote the first book, I found um, Autonomy, which is defunct now. I think it was sponsored by HarperCollins at the time, and it was like a writing community And every month they picked a book from the community and an editor at HarperCollins read it. And this was supposed to be like the holy grail of what you could get by joining this site. But what I ended up getting was just a bunch of friends. (laughs) And then that's when I sort of realized that there was so much more than just sitting alone in your office or in your bedroom or on the couch, plunking away at a story. And since then, I've just made some really great friends. Some of my closest friends now are my writer friends. And um, it's just like having colleagues at work. And, you know, it's been a little bit difficult during the pandemic because we haven't all seen each other. And, um, you know, I've definitely been incredibly offline. And I have guilt about that because I think, oh, my gosh, I missed like every a ton of people's book releases that I should have been shouting about. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's this incredibly supportive community mm-hmm. that is just so fulfilling to be part of. Um, even when I sort of feel sometimes like, well, if I'm offline and the pandemic happened and it sort of blew up. So I, I'm so excited for 2022 because I can go back in person. Like I'm going to go to voucher in September and I'm going to get to see people that I haven't seen in years and um, sort of reestablish some of those um, friendships and support system and it's incredibly valuable
0: yeah it really is it's it's um, tremendously helpful to know other other people who who get it family and friends love you and support you but it's nice to be able to tell somebody you're having trouble feeling out figuring out how a serial killer would approach this moment yeah. and not have them freak out. <laughs> um, well, Kate, you told us you're working on a book now and the Spires came out uh, last year. Yeah, so uh, we know, we know what you're working on. Um, and maybe when we all meet up about your con, you'll have more news for us about how it's going. Hi,
1: well, yeah, I'm picking through it a little bit right now. Um, I'm excited about it. It's, a, it's a, it's a bit of a cult book, which is really fun. Um, and, uh, Oh, well, that's all I'm going to say <laughs> I, mean, might right, be yeah. I know, right now. <laughs> I started, <laughs> and do you have, I, so I started doing, I got really interested in the big sort of mega churches. Um, and I started, mm-hmm. um, dialing in to this mega church in West Virginia. And I was like, every Sunday, I would like run upstairs with my computer and like, and listen to the sermon at like, they had, they ran it at eight. And then the same one replayed at like 10 or something like that. And I would come downstairs and I would be talking about this. We'll call him Pastor Bob. I don't want to give anything away. Um, And I would be talking about this guy like, oh my God, he's such a, you know, this is so interesting. And my husband is like, I feel like you're going to be one of those guys who like, you know, they talk about the undercover cops that go into the, you know, they they go in and they end up come out as like heroin addicts. You know what I mean? That's yes. what I, said. I feel like you are about to convert to whatever this religion is. I don't even know. I said, but he's so interesting. And I was trying to get him to watch these sermons with me. And he's like, I just can't do this, you know? <laughs> and um i mean it was just it, it is really super fascinating and so um that's been kind of fun to dial into these crazy super evangelical type of um yeah sermons
0: yeah and let them fuel your imagination Oh, it's a whole
1: different world that i just i i really i don't know anything about
0: yeah Well, it sounds great. You, you, you inspire me to do more research. So, uh, it's,
1: (laughs) Um, I will caution hmm. you that you could get to the point where all you're doing is research. You're not actually writing anything. (laughs) My job title is not researcher. It is writer. Yeah. Okay. So
0: there's that. That's a, that's a good cautionary tale. Oh, for sure. Kate, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is a fun yeah, conversation. Yeah, I had so much
1: fun talking to you. I I remember the worst writing advice. Anything that tells you never, like never use adverbs, never, you know, like anything like that. I just feel like I, I just I feel like the um, tapestry of good writing is so varied that there is no reason why any sort of never should ever fit in there. You know, I mean, if it's working for, if it works for you and it gets you to keep writing, then then you should always do it. Use every adverb you can possibly think of. You can take them out later if there's too many, Um, you know, but that's what I, that's what I would call the the worst piece of writing advice.
0: Oh, I think that's a great way to end this conversation because that's, (laughs) that's terrific advice. Ignore the bad advice.
1: (laughs) Ignore the never anything yeah, ignore hope, the never i think is is bad advice yeah
0: and forever forward and ignore the never you are like tattoos waiting to happen I am. here I mean, <laughs> that's
1: it we should all at voucher time go get tattoos of kate's words of wisdom
0: <laughs> ignore the never for turn forward forever forward
1: forever forward
0: Whoops, I also sorry. have one that I, I say all
1: the time that's you can run really fast when you're being chased
0: <laughs> and that so
1: that's that what I say true, when somebody isn't? says you like deadlines I always say well you can run really fast when you're being chased
0: <laughs> that's that's exactly it that, that that is the purpose of deadlines thanks Kate so
1: thank you so much this was great fun